You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, episode number 26. Make sure you click subscribe so you can stay up to date because I release a new episode every couple of weeks. You can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore Page. And coaches, if you're wanting to build a six-figure business, I've got a group over on Facebook that I put together every single week. I do live trainings, live coaching with the members. So it's basically a place that you can come to get help building your business for absolutely nothing. All you got to do is head over to Facebook and search Six Figure Coaching Business Secrets. I'll also put the link to that in the show notes. And today I catch up with Malana Saranak and we talk about how to hit 10K months by selling through Instagram stories. Welcome to the Luke Page Podcast. I am here to inspire people to live a life that they love. It's why I do what I do. Join me on the pursuit of my life's vision and my own business success through meeting amazing business owners, entrepreneurs, and forward-thinking people that are here to make impact and change the world. So, um, yeah, you're in... Um you're in sales, which is sick. How did you? I'm curious how to, how you got into sales. Yeah, that is that is a good question. Um, well, I I kind of got into sales without wanting to get into sales into the sales niche. Um, it's really because I started my business last year, January of like somewhere around January February. I was like, that's it. I'm going going all in, and I didn't sell a thing for six months. I didn't sell a thing. And then I found it really hard to sell. And I kind of realized that was a missing piece. Like I had all of the other jigsaw pieces of the puzzle, all the things that I thought I needed to grow an online business. And I didn't do sales. I wasn't getting on sales calls. I hated them. I didn't know how Mm. to close them. I would ramble, um, never wanted to pitch myself, just like had massive aversion to selling and being salesy and all, all those limiting beliefs. So once I did that and I was coaching like mindset coaching before that. Um, and once I actually learned sales, like I actually took sales training and learned sales and I took an NLP certification and, um, inside that certification, we covered off sales. Um, like a big section was on sales. And in the end I was like, okay, this is a missing piece. I started putting it together and my business started really growing. And then everyone was asking me, how are you doing this? What are you doing? Like what, what's changed? And I kept saying sales, you just have to sell. Mm. Um, and then there was just so much demand from like everyone in my audience wanting to know that I actually switched niches and I went into sales coaching. So yeah, that was kind of the backstory. So you were like, you were initially mindset and then you're like, you're doing that for a bit and you're like, okay, I'm trying things, trying things, not necessarily working to like to our plan, but then you're like, what's missing? Not really selling sell myself. Um, that's cool. I mean, look, my background sales and I, really? awesome. I, I agree with you massively. And like, it's kind of like, you know, business coach, right? And look, I actually, I, you and I are very similar in a way. Cause I mean, I started in March last year and you started, did you, you say go. Jen? Yeah, so well, January officially when like my mindset was like, I'm going to start and then I didn't sell anything until talking. September. Gotcha. Gotcha. There you go. Yeah. And then when the swing, you're like, oh, I need to sell. Yeah. I was like, oh, why am I not selling? Oh, wait, because <laughs> I'm not freaking actually selling. Like I'm not yeah. doing sales work. So yeah, that's sick. No, because like, uh, I mean, it depends on who you speak to, of course. So 
you know, from a business coach point of view, we all have our strengths and what we focus on. So you and I would be, you know, one part would be sales. The next person mm. might be a spiritual business coach. But I always, always, I'm like, one thing that this holds so many coach, we're talking about coaches, online entrepreneurs here, is that they just hold back from selling, hey? Mm, it's like they've, they know how to help people um, and they just kind of sit in the corner. It's like, how do I actually express this? So um, you've had, what did you do? So for the first six months, didn't sell a whole lot and then you just went from like zero to like 40K, I think you are telling me. Yeah, that was that was my last um, kind of last figures last month. So it went nice. it went really accelerated. Within six months, I went from mm. zero January this year. So yep. like all of 2019, I started selling in September. Was three thousand dollars since like September to December. So yep. that was my entire income for 2019. And then January, I like cracked down. January, I didn't make any sales again. And I was like, that's it. I need to like actually be serious, like get mm. consistent, do it. Um, that's when I really invested, hired like one-on-one coaches, went like all out. And then from January till, you know, July. So within six months, um, I just, within three months, I was doing five figure months. And then it was like doubling, tripling. And then, yeah, I just had a 40K month, which is really, really crazy and really cool. So um, mm. yeah. I think sales was the magic potion. If I can like ever give away magic potion, that was like the biggest, biggest thing that I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you said like, yeah, I was, I'll have a little giggle before cause you said like, yeah, you cracked, yeah, you cracked down, which is like a pretty Australian thing to say. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, what apart, cause apart from say, you know, hiring coaches and getting mentors and guidance there, what was the thing that, that identified that you cracked down? And really went for it. What do you think the thing was? Do you mean like the the pit moment when I was like in the pit or the thing that was like, okay, what am I doing next? Um, anything really. I mean, if you said that, you know, at, at the start of this year, you're like, all right, well, I, you know, I, I cracked down and then, you know, I hired coaches and everything like that. Mm. What was the thing that you really focused on, I guess? What was the yeah. thing where you're like, okay, that was the difference apart from sales? Yeah. Mm. Like what was the thing that you were doing day to day or what were you doing in your business or how are you showing up? What do you think was the thing that made the difference for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I actually talked about this recently on a live and it was really, um, it was really being consistent. Consistency was the, the pivotal, if I had to pin it down to one thing, it was being consistent. So actually showing up every single day, day in, day out, showing up to sell, every single day. Um, I was, you know, like you have the Instagram archives and you can go back and check out what you were doing. And like, um, in 2019, my archives reflect the money I was making my business. The way I was showing up very much reflects the money I was making. I E mm-hmm. sweet fuck cool. I won't swear on the podcast, by the way. Um, I promise. Swear but, away. Oh, good. Okay. I'll, I'll still try not to because you know, larger <laughs> audience, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like very little and the, it really reflected. I wasn't showing up. I wasn't, um, the way I was showing up was very timid. I would probably say, um, I wasn't really being an authority or an expert online, a lot of those things. And when I decided to show up, those things followed because when you have to show up every day, things kind of start flowing in. So Mm. yeah, that's what I would say. What do you think made you show up all of a sudden? 
Mm, it was it was really the fact that I was like, I need to make money in this business because I'd quit my job yeah. and um, I was it was the pivotal, like, I'm either going to make money in this business or I have to go back to work. And yeah. if I go back to work, like, I'm going to die. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And what were you, can I ask what you were doing prior to this business? Yeah. So I was a lawyer. I was a corporate lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um prior to this and yeah, I was working, um, in like a a top tier firm, very like high kind of level, big transactions. Um, and like just slowly killing my soul. Um, in the process, Mm -hmm. it was very, very, um, yeah, it was a very, it was a really high intensity job. Like I was working around the clock, constantly on call, week weekends, 24 seven, um, and just had no time freedom very much um a slave to the corporate rat race if you want to call it yeah um and that was the thing that was really pushed me to start my business um and then of course like i had i had my son last year um end of sorry was actually before 2018 and when i went on maternity leave i was like okay i'm not going back to work like once my maternity leave runs out we're not going back um so that was like what really took me out and what made me keep going so I wouldn't go back to that that world mm-hmm. Did, was there any um was there with your son doing the maternity leave were you like was there any guilt where you're like oh well I'm getting maternity leave so I owe them to go back or were you like nah cool look I'm just no. gonna yeah not at all <laughs> no no because I mean like I was pretty much working double the hours um every day you know like my work day is eight hours and i'd be working 16 um on like most days so i felt like they owed me yeah (laughs) (laughs) even though i loved my firm i loved the people i worked with a lot it wasn't one of the things like my boss was shit or anything like that but it was just the corporate environment just not something i ever ever wanted to stay in um i just always knew i wasn't meant to do it i wasn't meant to stay in there and i always knew there would be a way out I just never knew would be coaching because I didn't know and maybe you're the same like yeah. the coaching world's just not big in Australia um mm. and I'd be curious to know how you got into it because I don't know that many Australian entrepreneurs like I'm I'm meeting a lot more but who are in the mm. coaching industry but everyone that I'm connected with and that I've coached with and like all my clients are all overseas um I've only yeah. had two Australian clients ever um mm-hmm. and it's very like an American dominated market yeah. Yeah. I mean, with me, I mean, I, I worked at a coaching company doing basically the same thing. So, um, yeah, it was a company, it was like a, it was a nine figure company, um, well, sorry, eight figure company and helping online coaches build their business to seven figures. So we just taught them how to market and sell. I was there for a couple of years and then I kind of like just wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. And do it myself. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I get it with the, the American market. Like it's such a, I was just speaking to someone 20 minutes ago about this. Um, like it's probably like 20 times the size, like the populations I think about from Australia, about 10 or so, a little bit more, like 12 mm. or so times. But then the actual coaching space itself, yeah, it's way yeah. more coaches in America, yeah? Mm. So many mm. more coaches, um, like say per million. So... Yeah, I'm the same as you. You mainly get your your clients over in the states, um, but yeah, it was weird because like the co- the company that I worked at, ninety nine percent of them were Australian. Really, and so it was an Australian 
coaching company. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you mind sharing who it is? Yeah, I wonder if I know them. Yeah, well, the company was winning international. So we were, we were based in Melbourne, but all over Australia, yeah. We had, um, wow. you know, we had clients. We had a probably... At one time, I mean, Melbourne was the most popular and then Sydney. Mm. And then we probably had at once, because it was a 12-month course, you'd probably have about, you know, five or six from WA mm. going through it. But, um, yeah, they're out there. They're out there. Definitely Crazy. out there. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole world that I'm still unaware of. I feel like a very newbie um, entrepreneur yeah. in the Australian market for sure. Mm. Now we're all learning, Definitely. And what made you like, because you, when you're, you're a lawyer and you went to mindset coaching, yeah? Mm. Like, what were you teaching mindset? Like, who to? Yeah, so I was doing pretty much the same audience now, female entrepreneurs. Um, and I was doing a lot of, I was teaching a lot of it. I was really, um, my niche was manifestation. So no. more manifestation. Um, I've had like, that was the one thing that I was like, okay, there was one thing I knew how to teach and that I've experienced in my life and that I've like been using, it would be that. So I started with that. And then I did um, like last year, I also ended up doing like my NLP training and EFT and hypnosis um, and so forth. And then I would integrate all of that into my mindset coaching. Um, But I started off very niched as manifestation coach. Gotcha. 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 And then like, like when you were, so you're a lawyer, right? Now, Mm -hmm. if the typical lawyer, like I mean, corporates, if you were speaking to them about manifestation, would they they be like, what the hell is this? Who's this weirdo? Yeah. I think so. Did you keep it to yourself or was it like? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. So, um, you know, I, when I started like manifestation talk was like not a, office talk so I wouldn't I never really shared that side of me and it's that was like one of the things I was never I could never show up as my true self to work because that side of me is so big even to this day I'm a sales coach and then people enter my programs I'm like okay let's talk about the law of attraction Mm -hmm. and you know I really teach the mindset because it is such a core pillar you can't even with selling you can't sell if you don't have a strong mindset so I, you know, to this day, that is what makes up my business. Um, and it's kind of what I'm known for as in someone that's not just hardcore sales, sales coach, but I'm very much like more, um, I would call it like a soulful service, spiritual type of sales coach. Um, and that's what attracts my audience. But um, yeah, in the corporate world, that was just uh, like, it was a non no go topic um, and something I never shared. So I always felt like I was living this fake life, this life where I would show up to work as this, you know, like corporate lawyer in my like corporate wear and I could never really be who I truly was. Um, mm. So that was also something that made me want to definitely leave and kind of pursue a career true to me. Awesome. And as the, uh, the online coaching space has it, has it turned out so far to what you thought it would be? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I would, uh, you know, people ask me, they're like, Hey, would you ever go back? And you know, would you ever think about going back? I'm like, no chance. Absolutely no chance. Um, (laughs) Mm. like I'd never, since the day I quit, I'd never thought about going back. That was not for a second. I never, never, ever considered going back. And I don't think I ever will. Um, it's just like, this is what I, this is what I always wanted to do. I always wanted a job like this and I never, I never realized that it was possible. Um, I never realized that I could be a home like in my, 
like trackies and, you know, talk to women around the world and coach them and help them earn money and earn like way more money than I'm ever, that I'd ever earned in law um, and have my own team and have so much time freedom and be able to leave and go grab coffee and, you know, go and visit my family and go and have coffee with my parents whenever I want. Like all of those freedoms are something that I could never dream possible in law. Um, and everyone thinks law is very prestigious and I'm like, oh, it's just like slave labor. Like don't go there. Don't ever do law. They're watching too many episodes of Suits. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone's just like a little suit clone. I'm like, it's not Suits. Like yeah, it's not that yeah. fun. If it was that fun, I wouldn't leave. If I was yeah, like Harvey yeah. just going around town. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. You just bog down at your desk mm. with like a bazillion papers. And it's just, it's not like that, especially yeah. in corporate law. Cause you don't go to court. You're yeah. just, you know, like pleasing clients. Yeah, yeah, it's not, not, you don't get the, the, the drama and the excitement that you see on the movies. No, and in I court wish, as well. I wish, you know, I blame mm. TV for getting me into law. I definitely blame, like, I, I can't even remember, like, what the, like, Ali McBeal was probably the, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. back in the day show, in the day, and, like, yeah. legally bond. I'm like, yes, this is what life's yeah, going to be what like. I do. It was not. <laughs> so you didn't wear your pink suits then? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I rocked up. I was like, why can't I wear pink? Like, should I dye my hair blonde? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to ask? I was going to ask a question. What was it referring to? I'm not too sure. Well, we'll come back to it. So like kind of like where you're at now, and actually that's what's nice. So you're, um, you, you're a mum now and that was September. So congrats with that. How's it been? Managing your business, being a mum, mm. how's that been? Yeah, that's been, so that's been a, a ride, like a fun ride. I wouldn't say that it's been super challenging. Um, I feel like it's been to some extent easy to be able to do it because I get to control most of my time. Um, with COVID, it was a little bit harder probably because, you know, no childcare, but I've got help. I, and this is what I say to mums that, you know, say, how do you do it? I'm like, don't ever try and do it alone. Like, just don't. Um, I've got my parents and my in-laws very close by and they all help out. But it's actually been the best because I get to um, spend way more time with my son than I ever would if I was working in law. Like, if I was working my office job, I'd be leaving the house at 6 a.m., coming back at like 6 p.m. and then continuing work after I put him down to sleep. That would be my reality. And now, you know, I don't start work till 11 most days, um, mm. very rarely before 11, which means I get all that time with him in the morning and then mm. I'll drop him off for a few hours and then I get to see him in the afternoons and take him on play dates and I only work four days a week. Um, so it's, it's been really good. Um, it is a juggle, but it's good. It's like a, a good juggle to have. Mm. Where would you say, I know, I know we're, we're here to kind of talk about sales and offerings and everything like that. I'm just curious around it. Like where would you say you spend your most time in your business? Like what activities? Yeah. Needle moving activities. Um, I would say that it is showing up on Instagram stories. That's where like pretty much all my audience lives my lead generation everything is through instagram that's that's my main platform i don't mm. even have a website to this day i've yep. never had one um that that um probably also writing content um recording content and 
speaking to clients, but it's really like my selling activities are all through Instagram. Um, that is like, that's my bread and butter. If I don't show up on Instagram, then I'm, you know, not showing up for my business. So that would probably be it, which, you know, takes 30 minutes a day. So it's, it's not that hard. Hmm. Who does all your, um, do you do the, your like your infographics and stuff like that? Or do you have someone do it for? No, I do that. I do that myself. Um, I do have a VA who's amazing and does a lot of like backhand little techie stuff. So I don't have to meddle in that, but, um, I do all my content. Um, not ready to outsource that just yet, maybe in the future to free up more time. But, um, yeah, for now I'm kind of like trying to stay in my zone of genius. My zone of genius is selling Mm -hmm. and, you know, creating content, which is one of the things that I feel like I'm really good at. Um, so trying to stay in there as much as possible, but. Mm. Well, what, what's maybe some, like, if we're talking about, um, you know, sales and the psychology around it and what we need to do to sell out our offers, mm-hmm. where, what's some maybe tips and advice that you can give all the people listening to this? Where you reckon, what's the first thing we should start with? Yeah, um, I would say, are we going to go Instagram specific, like more around, is your audience on Instagram or just Yeah, Insta's general? fine. Yeah. No, if let's just do Insta. I mean, that's your specialty. Yeah. You smash Insta. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Insta yeah so stories, I would say, um, I would say definitely starting to uh, warm up an audience, selling to a cold audience is the worst thing anyone could ever do in my opinion. Um, and that's why I see a lot of people failing when they go out, they're just like, pop out of the blue and they're like, I've got something to offer. And then like crickets, um, that was me. So I speak from experience. Um, so I would say that definitely warming up your audience and the way you warm them up is definitely through a lot of content, a lot of nurturing, um, a lot of forming of relationships in the DMS. Um, and then, um, I would definitely, my next tip would probably be to focus on selling through emotion rather than logic. So, you know, as you would know, we buy mainly from um, emotion rather than logic. And that's definitely where we, um, I see people fail. I won't use the word fail, but um, miss the mark in terms of talking about all the features, you know, there's 12 calls and 36 pages to my workbook and 12 modules and no one cares because what they care is what's the benefit? What does it do for me? So really being intentional about communicating um, the benefits versus features and, um, you know, emotional storytelling, telling that story that's going to connect you to your audience and then closing sales calls, um, getting on calls and actually practicing sales calls, closing calls and, really establishing a need before we sell to people. Um, I feel like there's a lot of things I can, I can speak on. So it just depends how wide or narrow you want me to go. Um, well, what would you say like, uh, I don't know, out of, out of the massive topic of sales, then there's, well, sales on Instagram. Is it like, do you love stories? Like what, or do you love DMs? Do you like, okay, I'm, the, I'm a grass closer. Grass, another, grass is another Australian word, by the way. Do you use grass? <laughs> no, I don't, but don't I, I know the word. I'm familiar with it. <laughs> you, can, you can borrow it if you want. You can borrow the grass. <laughs> um, yeah, what's like? What's your area where you're like, I love that, I love that area there? Mm, I would say definitely selling on stories and closing in the DMs. So that's like my little 
zone of genius, how to sharpen stories, sell, and then close all of those warm leads. So, you know, through stories, I'll warm everyone up and then I close them in the DMs. Boom. So when we're saying, just so we're on the same page, if we're, when you're saying selling in stories, are you talking about that, hey, I've actually got something to sell right here, right now, and this is the point, or are you talking about nurturing selling over a period of time or both? I do, I do both. Um, yeah. So the way I structure sales is through launches. I really launch yeah. um, in my yeah. business right now. So I do a period of warming up. Um, and then I do a period of selling um, with a mixture of soft and hard selling um, during that phase. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so definitely first warming up that audience so that by the time I'm actually announcing I've got something to sell, they're ready for it. They're not like, whoa, what's this? Um, mm. And then selling that thing on stories consistently for a period um, and then taking everyone there um, that you know might be still fence-sitting into my DMs and closing those sales. Yeah. Okay. And when you say warm up, how do we warm people up through, through stories? Yeah. So showing up one consistently to uh, very much uh, pivoting content in ahead of time to be relevant to what it is that we're going to be selling. So say that you're selling a fitness program. If for like three weeks you talk about, um, you know, your workout shakes and all your nutrition, and then you say, now I've got this workout program, it's not going to be super relevant. You'd want to be really talking about fitness and what different exercises you do and so forth. So that by the time that you get to the sale, they know what it is that you're going to be. Um, they're warmed up to that concept. So um, mm. that's the, that's really around pivoting content Yeah, and dropping teasing, a lot of teasing, like, Hey, something's coming, um, priming their brain to know that something's coming and opening those loops in the brain. This is how I describe it to my clients. I say, mm. we want to, open a ton of loops so that they're they're wanting to come back and have those loops closed because our brain doesn't like any any open loops it loves to have closed loops so that it's at rest it's at peace knowing that it knows everything there is to know and when you're teasing an offer people actually stay magnetized to your stories wanting to keep coming back to see what it is that you're going to be launching um so that is um how i do a warm-up phase and then when we're ready then we can actually announce the offer and then we can sell to those people that are really warmed up at this point okay and can you give us some specific ideas for teasing so we've got Mm. got uh, someone listening to this and they're like oh well you know, I want to help people. I've got this problem that I solve, but I'm just like, oh, this sales thing. I haven't got a good experience with it. Yeah, they just think that sales is that, you know, you get pushed into something that you don't want to buy. They, they don't want to identify with it. But they know that, oh, gee, this, you know, you've got to do it. So they're almost like, they know that they've got to do it, but they don't want to. Um, and they've probably heard like, oh, you've got to tease it. How do we do it? Because like one thing that, you know, um, stood out with you when I, because um, I reached out to you and I said, you know, I, I don't know, you, yeah. you stood out to me and like that. I love the way that, because it's kind of like there's the cliche way of selling and then there's the modern day way of selling, which I call it, mm-hmm. which is you're selling, you're being assertive, but you're doing it in a warm way, right? Um, and I think that, you know, there's two percent of the scales, there's hard sales, soft sales, and there's too many coaches sitting in the soft sales or, or not just coaches, entrepreneurs sitting in the soft sales. You can still be assertive, but still be soft and warm at the same time, I think. Um, so for someone that's freaking out about sales, doesn't want to go down the path of being pushy and all that, 
how do we like be, how do we hint? What was the word you guys tease? How do we tease, tease without being, making them feel uneasy, I guess. Yeah. So for the teasing, what I do with my audience is I involve them in the process of building the offer. I get them to pick the name for the offer that I'm launching. I get them to tell me what um, modules they want. For example, if it's going to be a program, I get them to pick a bonus perhaps. And that way they feel like they're actually a part of the offer. Um, mm. They feel like they have built it with me. And then when I'm ready to sell it to them, they're not, they're not one shocked by where is this coming from? And two, they've already invested in it. They've invested in emotionally to some extent. So now they actually want to be a part of it and they want to see the end result. Um, so that is the, the way I do teasing where it's really, um, it's, it's really a way to actually take this, my audience on a journey with me to create this whole entire offer together. And cool. when it comes to actually selling it to them, um, one of the ways that I avoid being and like quote unquote salesy, even though I don't believe there is such a thing as salesy, but we'll go with it because that's what people, you know, often say mm. it's that, um, and I say this often to never sell to someone that doesn't need you. We're only selling to people that need us. That is when you're not salesy. Salesy is when you sell to people that don't need you. So, you know, Luke, maybe say, say I was a fitness coach and you are great with fitness. You definitely don't need a fitness coach. You work out every day, you eat healthy. And then I drop into your DMs trying to push on fitness to you. You'd feel awkward and uneasy and be like, no, I don't want this. But if you were really looking for a fitness coach and you really wanted to up your fitness game and I said, hey, um, this is something that I do. Are you interested? Would you like me to give you more info? You'd be way more receptive and open to me giving you this information because mm. that's what you have a need, right? So the key to soulful sales, non-salesy, non-pushy sales is to identify a need before we sell to people. Now, everyone on your stories, watching your stories, you can assume there is a need, right? You're not trying to identify them individually. This is more for phone calls. If you're trying to get people on calls or even sell to them in the DMs, you want to have a conversation to make sure there's a need before you pitch to them. Because if you pitch to them and like, God forbid, you're cold pitching as well, then they're really going to be geeked turned off they're really going to you know think you're pushy and probably ghost you which no one wants mm. um i was this is kind of going back to uh taking people on the journey of when you're creating your offer mm -hmm. so you said get them involved by like asking them like do you just ask questions like do the little on the story you put like a little question like all right well everybody i'm thinking of a name for my do you actually call it offer is that the terminology you use people are okay with that yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay so that? I start talking about it. Yeah, I say, you know, it's this is um I'm thinking of creating a new program or a one-on-one -on -one program is coming um soon or you know my group program is coming soon. Um, uh, you know, right now I'm in the process of creating a new offer, and I'm talking about it right now, saying, hey, I've got this thing that I'm creating, and this is what I'm thinking it's going to be. And it's I think a lot of this is usually done in the dark, um, where we kind of create stuff in the background, we work on 
on it. We, you know, um, scroll it away. And then we come into the open. We say, here it is. Um, and right. I've kind of taken the opposite <laughs> approach where yeah. I'm literally like, this is what I'm creating. And this is also like pro tip, a way to validate your idea. Because if I don't get any engagement, if no one's like, I'm not excited, um, then I know that I need to tweak something. Then I can tell it's my market research in a way. I can tell that, hey, maybe there's no need for this. Maybe my audience doesn't want this. Um, maybe I need to give them something else. So mm. yeah, it's, it's kind of killing two birds in one stone with one stone. How do you get past bots? And how, you know, if you do the two, the yes or the no, you know, it's obviously the yes is going to get all the bots on there. And yes. Buddy bots. Like, how do we, uh, how do we get rid of bots? How does Instagram get rid of bots? Is it, I mean, surely they would have figured out a way. I would sure hope so. So I don't, I'm not having a bot problem right this very moment, but mm. you know, like they come back. I, I notice this trend where there is a bot influx and then they go away and then influx and they go away. Yep. Right now I seem to be in the clear. So I'm good with using polls, whereas <laughs> I can tell like a real, you know, representation of what's happening. They're all in lockdown. But the bots yeah, yeah. are in lockdown. <laughs> I think the way around bots is to get people to DM you um, or to get people to drop um, emojis instead of, you know, you want them, you want a low barrier of entry when they're DMing. You don't want to say like, tell me the life story, why you want me to create this program. Like no one's going to DM you that, but you want to say like, um, Hey, here's my two options. Drop emoji one for this emoji two for that. Um, and then not only do you get an answer, which also reduces, you know, decision fatigue because you don't have to decide on the name of your program. They do it for you. You also identify your warm leads because those are the people that are interested. Those are the people that are going to be most interested in your offer once it drops. Yeah, that's awesome. I've actually, I've really, I've just noticed when you said that about the t taking them on the journey, I've, um, I've stopped doing that so much the last couple of months. I reckon, yeah, maybe this last quarter I've stopped doing it. So that's just a reminder. That is. Um, I think because like I went, um, like every quarter I have a, um, I, I have a break for about, like I have a social media ban and I, I get off mm. for one or two weeks. Um, we went away to, to Byron, Byron Bay. And in that time, I basically, I, I reset. So I turn mm. off social media. I basically don't do anything really except for coaching clients. Um, and then I plan my next three months and I kind of go, well, what's my, what, what do I want in the next 12 months? Where am I at? Look at my vision, everything like that. Um, so I think from there, I've just, I've entered into this new quarter, like with a different focus. Mm. And then I've almost forgotten those little things. Yeah. I've really come in this quarter. Yeah. I've really, uh, I found that re, um, previously I've been really focused on strategy. Yeah. Like uh, any content I do, it's like, this is how you find your niche. This is how you yeah. say, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. And then this quarter I've come in and basically I've, I've hardly spoken about strategy and all I've spoken about is the person you need to, need to be. Um, because I've noticed with me, um, the biggest thing that's ultimately held me back is not my talents or my experience or my skill set. It's just been my, my little thinking. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, you know, it's this, we all, we, it's this thing that we all have that challenge with like us, our clients, even the people we look up to, we always just struggle with that. And then, yeah, I was just kind of like, well, where am I playing at? Like, seriously, like I, 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 I should be playing at such a, a different level. I'm just making up all these bullshit stories and excuses. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny how we do that, don't we? Calling yourself out. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's true. Uh, I, would, I would agree with that statement of, you know, who's the person you need to be to get those results. Um, you know, going back on that, you asked me that same question. What was like a pivotal thing? It was that. I also asked myself, hey, if I was earning, like I was earning zero and I said, if I was earning 10K months, what would that look like? Who would I be? And the answer was, I would be consistent. I would be showing up. I would be selling. Um, you know, I would be investing in myself to make sure. And like those, that question was what prompted me to take all those actions because the five figure month me is not just sitting back, hoping, waiting for clients to drop from the sky, but taking action to get there. Um, yeah. So I think you're right. I think that is a key, key shift. When, when that clicks, then everything mm. else starts falling in place. Yeah. And you've, you've spoken about consistency. Yeah. Can you like define for everyone? Because I mean, consistency gets thrown around a lot, but at the end of the day, like what I call consistency is different to you and then person listening to this. Can you like identify for yourself, like mm. what made you, what was like, what made you inconsistent? So, okay, well I did this and you know, did this. And then what made you classify as being consistent? Just so the audience can actually identify, well, shit, maybe, maybe I thought I was being consistent, but Alana's doing that. That's what consistency means. Yeah. Can you kind of go through the difference between inconsistent and consistency for yourself? Yeah. So inconsistent me was me living in a lot of reasons and excuses. So, oh, I can't show up today because I've got, uh, I haven't put my makeup on or I haven't, I haven't done this. I haven't, I don't know, prepared any content. Oh, I'm not sure what to say. Right. That was a inconsistent me mindset. And that was what held me back. So inconsistent meant that I physically was not actually every day. I had a reason why I couldn't do it that day. And it was, it was very sporadic. So I would show up on stories once um, and, you know, talk about my offer and then I would be gone for a week and then I would pop back up and I would, you know, post a quote, like a repost of a quote, random quote, and then be back, you know, next week being like, by the way, here's my offer and being like, why isn't anyone buying? Why haven't I made any sales? And it was, it was, you know, obvious because I wasn't there. And if you think about Instagram as a relationship tool, if you were dating someone and they popped up once a week and they said that's when they wanted your attention, when they were just selling something to you, you wouldn't be that interested. And I'd hope anyone listening would not. They would be like, no, I don't want, this is not what I want. So, and that was, that was me. I was treating my audience as just someone that, oh, when I've got something to sell, I'll pop up and when it suits me. And I realized that it's not about me. Like the, the way I run sales is very much service-based sales. I'm here in my mind to serve my audience, to serve my ideal client. I'm here to serve them and solve their problems, not to make my life better, but to make their life better. And that means that I have to show up for them. I don't get to say, oh, today I don't feel like it. Or, and you know, of course, with the exception of days when you just need your break and your mental health, that's fine. But on general, 
my every single day I wake up and say, what do I need to do to serve my ideal client? What do I need to say to them that's going to help them today? How can I nurture them and give them love and attention so that one day when I have something to sell that I know is going to 10x their growth because of that investment, they're going to trust me and want to invest with me because I've been loving on them this whole time. And that means I show up every day. I go on stories every day and I drop a tip or I give a, a piece of, um, you know, I'll share like an inspirational piece of content or um, even just take them through my day. What am I doing today? Just so that we stay connected because I think of it as a relationship. I'm not going to be that, you know, boyfriend that just ghosts you and shows up every five weeks. I'm going to be that person that's going to be there day in, day out. So that was, that was a really, really big, big shift for me. That's kind of what I mean by being consistent, showing up on your selling platform, whatever that is for you. Maybe it's not stories. Maybe it is, you know, Facebook lives. Maybe it's LinkedIn. Maybe it's podcast, um, but showing up every time that you have set, I'm going to, sh I'm going to do a one podcast episode a week. Do that. I'm going to send one email a week. Do that. Um, and really being, being integral to your word. I read this, I actually listened to a podcast episode recently and they said that there was a study done, there was a study and it said the study basically showed that people who are integral to their word, they, their productivity and their uh, profits, so this is based on a company, the yep. company's profits increase by about 300 to 500% if integrity is a core pillar of the company, like a core value. So just by being integral, you're increasing your profits because you're keeping your word. And by keeping your word, you remain consistent. Yeah. And I thought that was crazy. That's all other things being equal. No extra mm -hmm. output, nothing. Mm -hmm. And that really struck with me. And I thought, wow. So if I can just keep my word to myself, be in integrity, show up, be consistent, I can increase my sales. And, you know, I'm living proof that ha that is what has happened in my business. Awesome. Love that. The um, this. <laughs> Just saying what you do or doing what you say. Um, yeah. So we're talking about, where were we? Um, we were talking about uh, the taking them on the journey, dropping uh, hints or what was the word you used? Was it hints? Teasing. So I call it teasing. teasing that's <laughs> it. I'm like, what's that word? Teasing. <laughs> so tease the audience, take them on the journey. And then what would the next step be? Did you say it was? And if we can kind of explore that a little bit more. Yeah. So we take them on the journey, we tease them. And then we're, that's uh, at that point, I'm ready to sell. Right. I would probably say just before that, you want to um, really make sure you're educating your audience on the problem. So your, you know, your offer that you're creating should be solving a specific problem. So you want to educate them on that problem. So there are some people are what we call, you know, uh, problem aware. So they know they've got the problem, but they're not solution aware. So you want to take them through a little bit of a journey to really one, educate them on what the problem is, why it's a problem, and then how the solution is going to help them. So I do a lot of educational content um, just before I'm about to actually start selling to make sure that my audience is aware of why there's a, why that's a problem. You know, someone might not understand why not being able to sell in the DMs is a problem. Um, they might not even understand that selling in the DMs is a thing. So I want to make them aware that they have this opportunity to make money in the DMs and that 
if they're not doing that, they're missing out on money and sales in their business and, you know, kind of have content like that. And then I'm ready to sell them, say, a DMs course, right? Okay. So it's, it's almost like what you were saying before, you've got to have in mind what you're selling and then you've got to warm your audience with relative content that almost mm. points them towards that, hey, you've got a problem with this, 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 and then the ultimate solution is what yeah. you launch with. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. And that's a... Um, to identify that and get that is a tricky thing for a lot of us. What, mm. what, what, what's like the exercise that you go through to kind of help people identify, well, how do I, how do I, how do I work out what this package is? Cause I know a lot of us, like we talk about the course, the course, like you said, 12 weeks, it's uh, you know, has this, has this, has this, all the features, features. And then we go, oh, look, here's the course, the course you've been waiting for. <laughs> the course you've been waiting for. Um, how do we get like, I don't know, what do you do around trying to get people to forget about the course and think about like this solution? Like, I mean, it depends what you call it, yeah, the, the vehicle mm. or the thing mm. that enables the transformation. I don't know. Like, what do you take your clients through? How do you, how do you help them identify all that? Yeah. So one, the first thing that I'll mention is that when I'm selling, I, you know, maybe less than 1% of my time selling, maybe let's say 5% is talking about the features, how many calls there are, how many videos, how many modules, how many worksheets. Uh, I would, you know, maybe even less than 1%. I barely ever mention that if they want that detail, they can probably go on the sales page, find it somewhere, but I don't talk about that at all. Um, I'm really talking about what the problem they have is and what the solution that my offer is giving them now to find out kind of what that solution is and how to phrase, phase that entire process. I take my clients through a few steps. One of the things that we do is we build an ideal client avatar for every single offer. So I take them through an ideal client avatar that I've specifically created, um, a process I've created to build a specific ideal client for that specific offer they're doing. Um, We do market research to make sure to validate our offer, to make sure that there is a need for it, right? Kind of like what I was saying before, we want to sell to people with a need. Mm. And then we really go into creating an irresistible offer that people can't say no to, right? What's an irresistible offer? Something you can't resist. You can't say no to it. So I teach them the sales psychology, how to create an offer that's irresistible so that when they're selling it, um, people are saying, here's my money. Where can I buy it? Um, When's this available? I want to sign up. And we do a lot of pre-selling as well. So a lot of the times me and my clients will pre-sell a lot of their programs. Like my most recent program had 70% full um, on the first day of official launch. So before we launched, we had 70% of the program filled out because people wanted it before I even released it. And that is the secret in creating irresistible offers. Awesome. Um, Emma, what's like the next thing in this story process? Um, do you mean the Instagram story? Yeah. So I think you, you said a few things. So you said like, um, starting off with the teasing and then we go to like, you got to create that, that offer, the irresistible offer. Mm -hmm. Um, 
then you come out there and basically an, an official launch is like that the next step. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point now you're ready to announce it. You're ready to announce it to your audience, your platform, and you're ready to now sell it. So now you have to show up and show up every day and talk about it and have a call to action. So when I sell, I say, you need a call to action. So it's not enough to just go there and say, Hey, I've got this course. Okay. Bye. It's really saying, Hey, click here, go here, do this, tell them what they need to do to learn more about it, to sign up, to, you know, fill it out and being consistent with that process for if it's a official launch, you will usually have a card open, card close date. If you're just showing up to sell without an, you know, at a card open or close date, then being consistent until you have made those sales and mm -hmm. not really letting any excuses get in the way. Yeah. Nice. And how do we, um, like, how often do you launch? About every couple of months, about every two months right now. Every two months. So how did like, because some people launch, some people don't. For someone that's mm. confused about this, because they're probably like, oh, well, you know, I've, maybe they've done a program and the program's taught them to launch every two, three months. Mm. Maybe they've done a program where they've told them to just, hey, every week or so, just like, oh, taking on clients. Like, how do we work? How do you figure that out with the, with the client? Like, do you like, I mean, it sounds like you're a fan of launching. Um, yeah. Do you just go, look, launch is the best thing for everyone? Um, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't. I'm definitely not a fan of ever saying one way or the highway for anything, even for sales strategies and processes. I think, you know, you can find something that works for you. So for launching, the reason why I go with launching now, and I didn't always launch, is because now what I do is I launch my group program. So my signature group program is the thing that I launch and launches work for me because uh, I really take on an intimate group and I'm with them for these 12 weeks together. And then when they finish their cohort, I'm ready to take on another one. So in that structure, launching makes sense, right? Because yeah. I'm not continually taking on people. Um, and maybe that will change in the future, but for now, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. If I was just taking on one-on-one -on -one clients, I would probably not do the launch. Maybe I would do one launch um, every four months or so, but I would continually sell until I am booked out. Um, for example, now, if I wanted to open up one-on-one -on -one slots, I wouldn't do a launch. Um, I've you know, I'm booked out with one-on-one -on -one clients, but say I was about to open up a spot, I would probably just go on my stories and I would trust that my audience is already warmed up from all of my previous launches and me showing up consistently. And, and this is actually what happened last time. Um, I went on stories and kind of said, Hey, I've got a couple of spots open, DM me if you're interested and ended up closing all the sales that way. So what launching does for me is it keeps my audience warm all the time because I'm constantly showing up for them. Um, but you know, there is no one right way. I wouldn't say there's a right way. It's really what works for you. And it's, it's really just about picking a strategy and going with it and not chopping and changing too much until you see the results. Beautiful. All right. Well, um, is there anything you want to add to all this? Like, is there something that we've missed? Do you want to cover something else? No, that's probably, I mean, it's such a big topic and I could talk about it, you know, for another mm. six hours probably. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really, as if you if I was to boil it down really simply, it's picking a platform, showing up to that platform consistently and 
showing up to sell consistently um, on that platform, whether you're in a warm-up phase where you're just showing up to educate and give valuable content or whether you're actually selling and saying, giving calls to action. Um, but if I had to like give you the three main tips, that would, those would be it. And they sound simple. And this is what mm. people, you know, may get tripped up on. They're like, oh, it's too simple. It doesn't work. But it's the simplicity is really where the magic happens. When you simplify things in business, when you don't, I don't have a complicated sales funnel. I don't actually have any sales funnel for a coach, you know, a sales coach that might sound funny, but I don't, I, I, my mantra is keep it simple. I don't have a website. Um, I've sold my one-on-one coaching out entirely without a sales page. I've never had a sales page for one-on-one coaching. Um, and that is my highest ticket offer. So, mm. you, you know, it's a lot of limiting beliefs. You think you need things. I used to think I needed a podcast and I needed a Facebook group and I needed um, Pinterest people coming to my page to look at my podcast and like a billion other <laughs> yeah. things. And I needed yeah. a website and all this stuff and Facebook ads and, you know, God knows what. And the truth is that you don't, you can make, you can make your business work in a really simple way. And you should in the beginning, because then you can actually use all those other strategies to scale it. But, you know, I, I'm not a fan of throwing money, add money or any kind of money into something until I've created a successful product and then I'm ready to scale it. Awesome. What's your plans for the next 12 months? Like you've got to a point now where, Business has taken off, making money, coaching clients, having, you know, having control of, you know, well, if you want clients, you can just go technically go on Instagram stories. Hey, I'm opening up spots for one-to-one, which is an awesome thing to, to have. What's your plans for the next 12 months? Where do you see yourself and where do you want to take it? Like, do you see yourself ever using like Facebook ads or anything like that? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I say you don't need those things and you don't need them, but there is a point in your business where you might want them. Um, for example, when you're scaling. So I definitely see my business in the next, over the next 12 months, scaling even more, serving more students inside my signature program, um, probably having an evergreen funnel to have it open to more people and definitely um, probably investing in some ad spend to drive more traffic um, and very likely, you know, starting to diversify my platform. So I'm um, just on Instagram now, mainly on just on Instagram, but I'd love to um, have more, more traffic driven through maybe a website or a podcast or, you know, something like that. So those are the things that I'm thinking about now. Um, whereas if you'd asked me this question a year ago, I would have thought I needed those things first before I could be successful. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like um, you got to be across every platform, Insta, mm. Facebook, LinkedIn, mm podcast got to have a website have to it's a stock standard you can't you're not before you even start your coaching business rule number one website <laughs> that one that's what i thought and yeah. you know, this is why i made no money until september mm. last year because i was tinkering with my freaking website with like wordpress and you know elementor and all these like things that just were killing me and driving me insane uh, and I'm not tech savvy and I didn't have money to invest in anyone to build it for me and it was just killing all my time and definitely not creating sales whereas mm. now I've, I've done it the other way around I've created money in my business and sales now I can take that and invest in people to do that for me who 
who that's their zone of genius and they're going to do a much better job. Um, so yeah, you're right. What was the first thing you mentioned that you had a VA, you got a VA. So what was the first task you gave your VA? Mm, what did I give my VA? I think the first, one of the first things was scheduling uh, email. So scheduling any of like my weekly emails and um, managing my inbox. So I'm not the, I'm very boundary heavy in terms of technology. So my inbox just goes nuts. I rarely check it. Um, and you know, she's luckily been there to actually now flag things that are important. Uh, otherwise they just get missed and I don't, I don't check emails ever. Um, even, you know, like only my support emails I would check. And that's probably the first thing, customer support and just managing that inbox. Did you get your, um, at the point where you hired your first VA, were you like, I've got no time left and I need it? Or were you like, I'm doing this, I've still got time, but I'm going to actually do this anyway? Yeah, it was, it was definitely the, the first one where I was like, I have no time and I definitely need a VA. But it was also the, and I waited a long time to hire a VA because I kept saying, oh, I don't have time to hire a VA. I'm too busy. I don't have time to outsource. And, you know, it's going to take too long to train someone up. Mm. And that was such a limiting belief. And I knew it was a limiting belief, but I couldn't help myself, you know, being in that pit. And I just kept putting it off saying, I don't have time. I don't have time. And you know, one of the things like my VA is so amazing. I love her so much. Um, she's just, she's the kind of person that you can give something to and she'll run with it, just take it and go. Um, and that was the best decision I made to actually invest that time to train her up so that now my time is freed up and I don't, I'm never bogged down in admin tasks. Um, and, you know, I'm now even looking to expand my team. So that's probably another one of the things. Um, hire OBM and more people on my team to free up more time because time is the reason why I went into this business to have more time. Um, and what's the point of making an income if you're going to be behind your computer all day? Unless that's what you want to do, but yeah. I, not so much. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I hired my first um, VA at the start of this quarter. And, um, it just, how much different do you feel when you got someone there doing some of your stuff? Like it, yeah, I, 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 for me personally, I, I officially felt like a business owner when I hired <laughs> someone, I'm like, I've got someone working for me now. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I agree. I agree. When you can say mm. I've got a team member, yeah. you, you, then you're like, I've actually made it now. <laughs> mm, it's, I, I, I went through the same thing regarding, um, like, I, I, well, I, I was like, the fear was giving the control away to someone. And it's like, well, they're going to do a good job. And it's like, oh, I'm going to have to train them up. It's going to take ages. I don't have time for that. So um, how did you find time to actually train them up if you're saying that you didn't have time? Was it that you didn't, I mean, was it just a, it was this a belief, negative belief that you're just a story you're telling yourself ultimately. So you did have time, but you're just kind of like, yeah. well, uh, I'm going to avoid that thing. Is that what that was going on? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't even believe in the word. I don't have time. It's mm. you, you. We all have time. Everyone's got the same amount of time. I know that's cliche, but it's true. We've all got time. It's just, you know, where are you prioritizing it? And yep. when I said I don't have time, what I meant was I don't want to prioritize any time towards training someone. Um, and what had to happen was take a back step in my business, so not actually be middle of the launch trying to onboard a VA. Was to actually you know, after, and this was after my second launch of, sorry, my first launch of my group program. After that was when I said, okay, I'm going to take a couple of weeks without actually selling and going to take a step back on showing up. Um, so I can prioritize this, which means I'll be able to serve my audience even better once I've done that. So definitely a case of slowing down to speed up. Awesome. All right. Well, where can everyone find him? We know that uh, you don't have a website. So <laughs> everyone listening to this where you think that the first thing you have to do is get a website. Absolute garbage because Milana's actually done it with what? 40K. You've done a 40K launch and that's with no website. Yeah, totally. No website. Never had one. Never. I mean, if you like, I've had one, but it's not, it's not a website. It was like me trying to attempting to make one, but I've never had a functional website yeah. to this day. So maybe that's what I should focus on next. But if you want to find me, um, don't look on website. You can look um, at my Instagram. That is where I am most of the time at Milana Saranak um, is where I hang out. And that is, that's where you can find me. And how do we spell that one? So M-I-L-A-N-A-S-A-R-E-N-A-C. Awesome. And if you can just tease us, what's going to be the next platform that Milana takes over slowly and just moves into? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. So I have, I have opened up a Facebook group recently um, and that is something that I'm actually really enjoying recently, uh, showing up in this group. And I've found that I'm able to form even deeper relationships, um, in this kind of small container. So I do have a Facebook group, a really new Facebook group. And the link to that is in my Instagram bio. So if you find me on Instagram, you'll be able to see it. We're actually, we're called magnetic sales society. That's the name of the group. So if you wanted to look that up, you can find it. And I think that is the next that's the next um, next hub where I'm going to be hanging out with quite, quite a lot. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date with podcasts that I release every couple of weeks. And if you've enjoyed the, the episode, please, I really, really appreciate it if you leave me a review. And you can also find me on Instagram at Luke underscore page.